Well, praise God. Thank you so much, worship team. Great job this morning as always, and great job to all of you. Man, you are sounding good back there. You don't see many dancing Baptists, but you about saw one in the middle of that song, I'm telling you. We're going to mess around and have church up in here. Boy, that's, that's good stuff. Thank you, Lord, for that. Um, take your Bibles today. Turn with me to Acts chapter 5. We're still preaching through the book of Acts because we want to see what a spirit-filled, Bible-believing, Christ-centered church looks like, and that's what we find in the book of Acts, in the early church. And in Acts chapter number 5, this morning, we're going to see the importance of obedience. The importance of obedience. We're going to start reading in Acts chapter 5 with verse number 17, and I'm going to read down to verse number 29, all right? This is what the Bible says. Then the high priest rose up, and all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, Watch what it says. And they were filled with indignation. That means they were mad. Now, what were they so mad about? Why were they filled with indignation? Because up to this point, we have saw the followers of the Lord Jesus Christ changing the landscape of the city of Jerusalem by the power of God. They're preaching the truth of who Christ is and what he's done. They're preaching the gospel message, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And as they do this, God the Holy Spirit is speaking to hearts and changing lives. How many of you believe this morning the preaching of the word of God coupled with the power of the Holy Spirit is still how God changes lives today? (laughs) Amen. And that's what we're seeing here. Now, because the religious leaders had control of the people, this scared them greatly. They were afraid they were about to lose the control they had to this new way of living, this new thing that's happening. That's what the Christian, uh, uh, the, the religion of Christianity was called, first off, in Jerusalem, the new way. And so they didn't know what to make of this new way. They didn't know how to control it. And so they laid hands, the Bible says in verse number 18, on the apostles and put them in common prison. Now watch verse 19. But the angel of the Lord opened the prison doors. Everybody say open the prison doors. Now watch this. And brought them forth and said, go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. And so I want you to get the picture. They put them in prison for preaching the gospel. Then the angel of the Lord delivered them in a way that only God could do. And we're going to see how he did it in just a moment. Now, let me say something to you this morning, folks. How many of you know that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever? And so what we see on the pages of Scripture is still what Jesus can do today. If you believe that, say amen. See, Jesus hadn't got sick and he hadn't got old and he hadn't changed. He's still the same powerful Jesus he's always been. And so the God who delivered them from their prison in Acts chapter number 5 is still delivering people today. Now, you say, Rose, what's that mean to me? I'm not in a prison. Well, you may not be in a prison behind bars, but let me tell you something. A lot of us find ourselves bound down in this world from time to time in many different other ways. Some of us this morning may be in the prison of discouragement. Have you ever been there? Some of us may be this morning in the prison of doubt. Some of us may be in this morning in the prison of depression. Some of us this morning may be in the prison that we've created from the addictions that we have in this life. You say, and I, I'm here to tell you, I've got to tell you this morning, the same Jesus who delivered those early believers is the same one who is still delivering us today if we'll only trust him. 
He truly does. You say, Russell, how do you know that? I know that because I've been there. I had addictions that had a stronghold and a stranglehold on my life that I could not break free of, but by the power of God, He set me free. He's still doing these things. Oh, listen, folks. He delivers us as His people, and I'm so very thankful for it. Whatever prison you find yourself in today, He's bigger than that. (laughs) And He's able to deliver you. So the, 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 the Lord told them to go and preach in the temple even though they had been in prison for preaching in the temple. Don't miss that. Verse 21. And when they heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest came and they that were with him and called the council together and all the senate of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to them to have them brought. But when the officers came and found them not in the prison, they returned and, and told. Watch this now saying, The prison truly found we shut with all safety, and the keepers standing without before the doors. But when we had opened, we found no man within. So I want you to see what happened here. This is amazing. They put them in the prison, then they put guards outside their cell to keep make sure that they didn't escape, that they didn't leave. But when they came, they found the men still standing outside the cell doors, but nobody inside the prison cell. Now how many of you know, Something happened that only God could do there. These men who had been standing there all night knew nothing of what had went on, but when they opened the doors, nobody's there. God does the work that only He can do by His power in delivering His people. Verse 24, And when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these things, they doubted of them whereunto this would grow. Then came one and told them, saying, Behold, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple teaching the people. So God said, I've delivered you from the prison. Now go back and preach in the temple. And guess what they did? They went straightway, the Bible says, and went back to the temple and began preaching. They understood the importance of obedience when it comes to the things of God. Verse 27. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in his name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Now I love how they put this. They said, You have filled this whole city with your doctrine, what you're preaching, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder, Mount Zion Baptist Church, have we filled our city with the doctrine we preach? Have we filled our city with the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? If not, we should be about the business of filling this city with our doctrine. Our doctrine is the truth of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Verse number 29. Then Peter and the other apostles answered. That's what I wanted to get to. And they said, we ought to obey God rather than men. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you, we ought to obey God rather than men. I don't know about you, but I want to obey God rather than men. I want to do what pleases God rather than do what pleases men. I want to do what's according to God's will, not what's according to my will. Or others will for my life. We ought to obey God. Rather. Than men. Let's pray together. Lord we love you. Thank you so much for who you are. And for what you've done in our lives. Lord I'm thankful this morning for the truth of your word. And I see the importance. 
of obeying you. Would you make that real to us today? Lord, would you give me your power through you, Holy Spirit, to speak to these people just exactly what we all need to see. And I'm praying, Lord Jesus, that you will so do a work in our life that we leave here different than how we came. Lord, these people need to hear what I have to say. They don't need to hear what I have prepared. They need to hear what straight is from heaven. So Lord, as you've been with me in my preparation, be with me in this presentation. And Lord, I'm praying that you speak to me and speak Speak through me so that today your will would be done in this place. Lord, if there be one here that's lost, would you save them? If there be one here that is saved but it's not in your will, Lord, today be the day that they rededicate their life to you. Lord, I'm praying that you do the work in the hearts and lives and people that only you are capable of. Lord, I can impart truth or I can preach truth but only you can impart truth and I'm praying that you impart truth to the ear and start with me today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let me ask you something, folks. Do you believe that God wants to do a great work right here in our church? I believe that with everything in me. You see, I believe that God wants to save souls right here in our midst. I believe God wants to light a fire at Mount Zion Baptist Church that cannot be quenched by the power of the enemy. I believe God wants to use the body of Christ right here in this place to be the hands and feet of Jesus in our community, in our town, in our county, in our, in our state, across the world as God gives opportunity. I believe God wants to use us to make an impact for the kingdom of God. I believe that with everything in me. If I didn't believe that, I wouldn't be here. I believe God wants to do a fantastic work right here among us. Let me say something else. I'm thankful for the work that God has already done. Hey, in the, in the last six and a half years, we've seen many come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I talked to you just a moment ago about the youth camp that we're going to in November. Do you realize two years ago, 26 young people gave their heart to Jesus at that camp? And we've seen God continually save souls and change lives through this ministry that's going on right here at Mount Zion. So we are thankful for what God has done in our past. I'm thankful for what God is doing in our present. Had a lady come to me last night at the ball game. It was at the toy bowl games. And, and she goes to a different church. And she said, Brother I just wanted you to know I'm hearing great things about Mount Zion. And I know God's blessing you. And I said, oh, sister, he is blessing us. To God be the glory. We're thankful for what he's done. Amen. And so I'm thankful for what God has done and what God is doing at the present moment. But now listen, as the Apostle Paul said, he, he said, I'm forgetting those things that are behind. I'm looking forward to what God has for us in the future. Folks, I want you to know, I don't live in past failure because past failure can be put under the blood of Jesus and be forgiven and we can move on. But I want to say something else. I don't live in past victories either. Past victories are good. But let's look forward to what God has for us in the future. And, and folks, I want you to, that, that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Moving forward, what do we need? I believe today with everything in me that if we're going to move forward and receive all that God has for us, listen, we need three things. And I want us to get a hold of these truths this morning. Number one. If we're going to move forward and receive all that God has for us, the first thing we need is a plan. Some might call it a vision. That's what Solomon called it in Proverbs 29 and 18. What did he say? Where there is no vision, the people what? The people perish. 
Solomon said, you need a plan. You need a vision. You need a direction. And when we speak of a plan, we speak of vision. Listen, folks, I'm not talking about something we've dreamed up. I'm talking about us hearing from heaven as to what he wants from our church collectively and what he wants from our lives individually. Can you say amen to that? We've got to have a vision. We've got to have a plan. We've got to have a direction, a direction that comes straight from heaven. But not only do we need a plan, listen, we also have to have God's power because with God's power comes victory. If you believe it, say amen today. <laughs> yeah, with God's power comes victory. Victory over what? Well, number one, victory over the enemy. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. How do you know God would like to do nothing more than to tear down what, or the Satan would like to do nothing more than tear down what God is doing in your life individually at this moment? If he can hinder you, if he can set you back, if he can cause you to falter and stumble, if he can cause you to choose to disobey instead of being obedient, that's exactly what he wants to do. But I'm here to tell you today, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. With God's power, we can and we will overcome the enemy. Amen. Amen. And so we need the power of God to overcome the enemy, to overcome this world that we live in, for we live in a dark world. We need the power of God to overcome this flesh that we dwell in. Can you say amen? We certainly do, because this flesh is tempted by worldly things, by sinful things. And so if we're going to overcome the devil, the world, and the flesh, guess how we're going to do it? By the power of God. The Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. <laughs> See, the power of God comes from His Spirit. And when we have His Spirit, we have His power. And with His Spirit and power, we are set free from whatever comes against us to try to derail what God is doing. So we need God's plan. We need God's power. But let me give you another one. We also need performance. I'm talking about virtue. Now listen to me, folks. The first two is what God does. God gives us a plan. Can you say amen? God gives us his power. Praise Jesus. <laughs> but the performance is up to us. See, James says it like this. He says that he will show you his faith, how? By his works. James 2 and 18. James 2 18 tells us that we're not saved by works, but our faith is shown by our works. Can you say amen to that? Uh, Martin Luther, the great reformer, he put it like this. He said, we are not saved by faith and works. We're saved by faith that works. See, if you've truly placed your faith in Jesus, there will be evidence in your life as to how you obey what God has said. The third performance is a result of the first two, God's plan and God's power. Are you getting this? If you're getting this, say amen. <laughs> now then, listen to me, folks. You need to understand me. We need all three of these things moving forward if we're going to get a hold of all that God has for us. It's important this morning that we learn obedience to what God wants and what God says in His precious Word. 
there needs to be some performance on our part because I can promise you God's going to keep his end of the bargain. He'll give us the plan, he'll give us the power, but then it's up to us to perform as he has called us to live out our faith. Now, to set the stage on what's going on here in Acts chapter 5, uh, we need to see uh, what, what's happening. First of all, we know there's revival that's broke out in Jerusalem. If you remember, uh, on, on uh, the, the, the day of ascension, Jesus went up, and on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down. And then you know the word went out and the lost people came in. Can you say amen? All of this is happening there in Jerusalem at this time. God is so doing a work supernaturally, listen, that thousands of people are coming to faith in Jesus. We've seen thousands of people in Acts 1 through 4 come to faith in Christ through the preaching of the word and the power of the Holy Spirit. We've seen God do a supernatural work in the spiritual, but we've also seen God work supernaturally in the physical. We've seen healings the man that was laying at the gate of the temple he had been lame from his mother's womb and supernaturally by the power of God he was healed when Peter and John spoke the word to him and so we see God doing what only God can do revival has broke out all over the city and like we said before the religious muckety-mucks the religious hierarchy they're afraid that change is about to happen and everybody gets mad about it now it's amazing to me these are the ones who ought to uh, be able to uh, uh, if anybody could, they ought to be able to realize that God was doing the work, but they completely missed it. They completely missed it, and that's so sad. Folks, how many of you know you can have religion up to here and not have relationship with Jesus? And that's where those people were. The Sadducees that were spoken of in Acts chapter 5 and verse number 17, they had religion up to their eyeballs, but they didn't know the Lord. And the same can be said of many people sitting in Baptist churches all over this country and all over this world this morning. There's a difference in knowing about God and truly knowing Him. There's a difference in going through ritual and really being born again. And These people had missed Jesus even though they had the religion. They were mad at what God was doing. They put the people of God the apostles in prison and God delivered them so they go back out and preach the gospel and in verse number 29 they said we ought to obey God rather than men this morning I want to give you three main points I want to talk to you today first of all about the reason for obedience do you know there are some reasons for obedience for the, for the child of God number one we need to see that it is our duty as believers to obey what God has said. It's your duty, and it's my duty. Why? Because God is the sovereign ruler of the universe. He's the one that is in complete control. He's the king of kings, and he is the Lord of lords. Dr. Adrian Rogers says it like this. He says that if you disobey the king of heaven, you commit high treason amongst, uh, uh, before the most high king. And that's true. That's what we do when we know what to do, and we choose to obey what God has said. Jeremiah chapter 11 and verse number 3. Brothers, put this on the screen for me. It says, Cursed be the man that obeys not the word of the Lord. Now, folks, how many of you want cursing this morning? Anybody? How many want blessing this morning? Do you know that you can receive God's blessing if you do life God's way? Do you know you can receive God's blessing if you choose to walk in obedience? Now, I'm not a name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, um, 
all that kind of stuff. That, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you do what God says. You can expect God to work on your behalf in your life in all different areas. Now that looks, that looks different to, to, to all of us depending on how God chooses to do his work. But that's okay. I'm going to let God do his work. My blessing may look different from your blessing. Can you say amen? Your blessing may look different from my blessing, but I'm telling you, you can expect the blessing of God when you choose to do what God says and walk in obedience. It is our duty to obey. Now, I don't want cursing. I want blessing. Jeremiah said, Cursed is the man who chooses not to obey the word of the Lord. Do you remember a man by the name of Saul in the Old Testament? Everybody take your Bibles. I want to give you uh, an example of what disobedience looks like. First uh, Samuel chapter number Look with me please in verse and chapter number 15, verse number 23. Watch this. Saul was the king of Israel and he chose to disobey what God had said. And in 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse number 23, the prophet of God came to Saul and we need to take note of what he tells him in the 23rd verse. 1 Samuel 15, 23. He says, for rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. Does everybody see that? He tells him that rebellion or disobedience to what God has said, when you rebel against what God wants from you in your life, he says, first of all, it's just like witchcraft. Now, folks, let me say something to you. I know that many of us in here this morning, uh, we don't even think it possible that just because we've disobeyed God that we've committed witchcraft. But how many of you know that's what the Bible is saying? When you disobey God and rebel against what He has told you, He says it's as witchcraft. Now why, why does He say that? How is that even possible? Listen, when you choose to disobey God as a believer, you open yourself up to the devil. Matter of fact, when you choose as a child of God to disobey God, you take yourself out from under the protective covering of God himself. You open yourself up to the attack of the enemy when you choose to disobey God. And so the Bible says it's just like witchcraft, but then he says something else. He goes on and he says this. Check this out. He says that it's not only like witchcraft, but it's also iniquity. Iniquity is turning your back on who God is. It's, a great, it's, a, it's more than just the act. It's the condition of the heart. Now, I remember when my children were just little babies and we were trying to teach them what was right and what was wrong. I've got a little girl who I love with everything in me, but she's just like her mama, just as stubborn, as bullheaded as you... I don't know where she gets that stubbornness from. It has to be from her mama. But little Anna Kate, she was... Uh, she, she was... Uh, growing up, she was about two, three years old, and we were all in the uh, kitchen one day, and she was taking the magnets. She had these little magnets that she could... the alphabet that she could spell out words with. And she'd take those alphabets off and throw them in the floor, and she's playing with them there on the floor before the refrigerator. And, and so I walked in, and I said, Honey, pick up your magnets, please. And she said, No. I'd never heard that before. You know, that's the first time she'd ever told me she wasn't going to do what she was supposed to do. And so I said, 
they put the magnets back on the refrigerator. No. And so I had a decision to make. Amen. I had to teach her what was right and what was wrong. I had to teach her that, listen, there is authority in the home, and she has to come under that authority. Now, how many of you know we all got to learn that too as believers? We have an authority who's sitting high in heaven, and we have to come under his authority. And when we choose not to come under his authority, there are consequences to our actions. And so I told her again, I said, honey, I'm going to tell you one more time, take those magnets and put them back on the refrigerator. And she said no. And so that, after that third time, I had to take the belt of truth and apply it to the seed of knowledge. And after I'd taken the belt of truth and applied it to the seed of knowledge, she said no again. And so I took the belt of truth and applied it to the seed of knowledge the second time. And I said, put them back on the refrigerator. And she looked at me and said no again. Little tears streaming down her face. And so I had to take the belt of truth and apply it to the seed of knowledge again. And after the third time, she finally picked up the alphabets off the floor and stuck them back on the refrigerator. You say, well, brothers, was it really that big a deal that you would whip your daughter and apply the belt of truth just because she wouldn't pick up the magnets? Well, the magnets are not a big deal at all. I could have picked up the magnets in about 30 seconds. That was fine. Listen, that wasn't the point. I didn't whip her for not picking up the magnets. I whipped her because she defied her father. See, she's going to learn there is authority, right? And, and listen to me, children of God, we've got to learn the same thing. And when we choose to disobey God, it's a condition of the heart. Even though whatever it is you disobey in, you may not th think of it as being such a big thing, but the condition of your heart is a really big thing. And so the Bible says it's like witchcraft, but it's also iniquity. And then he says something else, it's like idolatry. What is idolatry? It's when you love God and serve God, or excuse me, when you love something and serve something more than you love God and serve God. That's what it means to set up an idol. And when we choose to disobey, a lot of times the idol that we set up can be our own self-will. It can be what we want instead of what God wants. It can be the word of someone else, what someone else wants instead of what God wants. So it's a very, very serious thing when we choose to disobey the God of heaven. It is our duty to obey him. How many of you understand, folks? I want you to know when we got saved, we were born again into a family. That's true. But we were also enlisted in God's army. Do you remember um, that little song we used to sing as kids in Bible school? I'm in the Lord's army. I may never march in the infantry or ride in the cavalry or shoot the artillery, but I'm in the Lord's army. I want you to know each and every child of God, you're in the army of God, and we are battling against the forces of, enemy, of the enemy day in and day out throughout our lives. And if we're going to overcome, we have to come under the authority of our commanding officer. Our commanding officer is none other than the Lord Jesus. The Bible calls him in the book of Hebrews the captain of our salvation. So we ought to obey. It is our duty to obey what God has said. If you believe it, say amen today. <laughs> now listen, not only is it our duty, but it is our debt to obey God. Do you remember what it said there in the book of Wrong, or Acts chapter 5? It says, men ought to obey God rather than man. That word ought comes from the word owe. And we all know what owe means. To owe means to have to pay a debt, right? 
So what is, he, what is he saying when it says that we ought to obey God? Listen, Jesus, folks, has done for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. He laid down his love for us at the cross. He died for my sin and for your sin. And even though I can never, ever, ever repay what he's done for me, he's done too much, I ought to try, and you ought to too. Amen. Every day I want to live my life for him for he gave his life for me. Romans chapter 12. Put this on the screen for me, brothers. Verse number 1. Romans 12, 1 says it like this. I love this verse. If you don't have this underlined in your Bible, make sure you do that today. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, watch this now, which is your reasonable service. You know what he's saying? It just makes sense that you present your bodies unto the Lord. You present your lives unto the Lord and you obey Him. You may tell you why? He gave His life for you. And it's just reasonable that you would want to please Him in everything you do as a believer. It is our duty. It is our debt. But let me tell you something else. It is our delight to, to, to obey the Lord. The Scripture says that His commands are not grievous. Can you say amen to that? And they're not. It's not like God is... Uh, some cosmic killjoy that's trying to kill your good time. The commands that he gives you is for your benefit. Why? Because he created life and knows how life is to be lived. And the God who loves you best, or excuse me, knows you best, loves you most. And if he loves you the most and he knows you the best, then he's going to tell you what's best for you in every area. So when you see what God says in his precious word, take that and apply it to your life so that you might be what God wants you to be. And it works in everything, whether we're talking about your marriage or your workplace or your parenting or whatever it is, any relationship, anything that's going on, we have the instruction book for life and it's called the Bible. But it's up to us to obey or disobey. How I many know we have a choice? We have a choice to obey. We do not have a choice not to obey. We're going to make a decision. Amen. And you need to understand, partial obedience is disobedience. What God says, do it. <laughs> and it'll make a difference in your life. I just say that from experience. I've seen both ends of the, of the equation there. Listen, if I choose to do what God says, I see how it affects my life. And then I've seen in my past how I've chosen to do not do what God says and how that affected my life. How many know you are free to make a choice whether to obey God's word or not? But listen, you are not uh, free to choose the consequences of your actions. How many know I can choose to jump out a window? But when I choose to do that or not to do it, then the consequences take over. And I may not know what the consequences are going to be, but there are going to be some. Right? Same is true for your life. The, the scripture says, what we choose to sow, we reap. We don't always know the consequences, but we do know there are consequences for the choices we make. So it's very important that we Learn, it is certainly our duty to obey God. It is 
a debt that we obey God. But let me say something else. One other thing about it being our delight. Listen to this. J. Vernon McGee says, I love it. A slave obeys for he has to. An employee obeys for he needs to. And a son obeys because he wants to. As a child of God, I want to obey him. Why? Because he's my loving, heavenly father. And I want to please him in everything I do. Dr. David Jeremiah told a story one time that I love. He said that there were two young ladies that were leaving a dance at their local high school. And they got in a car with another group of young ladies and they were on their way to a party. And on the way over to the party, some of the ones in the car began saying what was going to be going on at the party. And one of the young ladies that had got in said, uh, I don't think I need to go. I want you to drop me off by my house. And one little smart edit little girl in the front seat looked back and said, What's the matter? Are you afraid your dad's going to hurt you? And she looked back and said, No, I'm afraid I might hurt my daddy. You see, a son obeys not because he has to or needs to. A son obeys, a daughter obeys because we want to. Are we always perfect in it? No. None of us are. But God is so good, He gives us grace. Undeserved favor. And He says, you know what? When you do mess up, when you do choose to disobey, I'm faithful and just to forgive you of your sin. That's the reason for obeying. There's also some requirements for obeying. and I just want to give you one this morning for lack of time. But One requirement for obeying God is first of all hearing clearly. These men had heard from the Lord. If you remember back in Acts chapter 4 and verse number 18. He said something there. Peter says we can't help but speak what we've seen and heard after they had been arrested the first time for preaching the gospel. They said if you'll leave and never speak the name of Jesus again, you ain't going to have any trouble. We're not going to put you back in here. We're not going to whip you again. And what did Peter say? We can't help but preach what we've seen and heard. They had saw something and they had heard something that changed their life forever. And because they had heard from the Lord... They were obedient to what he said. To hear clearly is a requirement of obedience. Why is it important that you're in church on a Sunday morning so you can hear clearly? Why is it important that you are in Sunday school or small group or Wednesday night Bible study so you can hear clearly? Why is it important that you get your Bible out daily and have that time of devotion, just you and the Lord, so you can hear clearly? Why is it important that you spend time in prayer so that you can hear clearly? And as you hear clearly, then walk out what God has spoke to your heart. Oh, listen. It's a joy serving Jesus when you hear clearly what He says and then act in obedience. It's amazing what God will do in your life. That's a requirement of obedience. But let me give you one more. We saw the reason for obedience and the requirement for obedience. But I also want you to know the reward of obedience. Look in Acts chapter 5. In verse number... 32. 
Let's just start with verse 30. Acts chapter 5 and verse 30. And the God of our fathers raised up Jesus whom you slew and hanged on a tree. This is the apostles' testimony as they're before the court. Verse 31 says, Him hath God exalted with His right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are His witnesses of these things. Watch what He says now. And so is also the Holy Ghost whom God hath given to them Watch this now. What's it say? That obey Him. You want to walk in the Spirit? Do you? Two of us do. Do you want to walk in the Spirit? Do you want to live in the Spirit? Do you want to make the decisions you make being led by the Spirit? According to verse 32, you've got to obey Him. The reward for obedience for the child of God is a Spirit-filled, Spirit-led, Christ-centered life that makes all the difference in the world with you and yours and those around you. If you believe it, say amen. Everybody stand together. Let me say this. The first step of obedience for anybody is trusting in Jesus as your personal Savior. That's where your journey with the Lord begins. That moment when you are born again into the family of God by grace through faith in Christ. And if you've not yet made that decision, I believe with everything in me, God has you here this morning for that very reason. It's not by any accident that you are here today. God had you here for He has purpose for your life. You can't realize that purpose until you trust fully in the Savior and be born again. Today is a day of salvation if you've not yet been saved. If you have been saved, let me ask you this. Are you walking in obedience? Are you experiencing God's best for you? If not, maybe it's because you're not doing life God's way. There's some area in your life that you're still trying to hold on to. And that's what we do from time to time, isn't it? God, you can have all this other stuff. You can have this and this and this over here. But Lord, there's just one thing I want to keep to myself. Even though it's not pleasing unto the Lord. Even though you know God's told you it's not what He wants. But you still keep trying to hold on to that. Today needs to be the day where you walk in obedience and say, Lord, I'm giving it all to you. Maybe God has directly spoke to your heart about something you need to be doing. Maybe God has spoke to somebody's heart and you know you've been called to preach. I don't, I don't know. It's funny how God does things. He woke me up at 4 o'clock this morning. God ever wake you up out of a dead sleep? If he hadn't, pray for that. Because when he wakes you up, he has something to say to you. 
And I laid down this morning at 4 o'clock and I preached this message to myself over and over and over again. And God just kept bringing it back to my mind. Somebody may be called to preach, so somebody this morning may be called to preach. You've been running for it for years, for, I don't know. Quit running. Be obedient. God may have spoke something directly to your heart, whatever it might be, but today's the day where you just need to be obedient and say, yes, Lord. Whatever you want. Today, make a fresh commitment to obey the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to pray for you and you do what you need to do in this invitation time. God, have your way. Have your will. Holy Spirit, Speak to hearts and change lives. In Jesus' name.